0: Maybe may be seated. Amen. God is good. And all the time. God is good. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Today I want to share a message in Acts chapter 18, and Happy New Year to everyone. Um, and as we share this message, I, I you know, I, I didn't want to be too catchy with my words, like saying, um start strong, stay strong, go this year with, I don't know, I, I didn't want to, I'm normally like that, but this year I didn't get too crazy with my message um, title, because I wanted to pick up on the book of Acts, where we left off in November, we've been on there for about six, seven months now, and something happened to me as I was preparing this message, as we are in Acts chapter 18 today, and I hope you went ahead, as you received our text message, and you receive... Um, and you see us on social networking and all that, and we said that we're going to be continuing on Acts. I hope you went ahead before today and read 18, because something different happened to me as I was preparing this message um, in Acts 18. I was in my house all by myself, and as I was preparing the message, um, it's funny because something happened to me in the first five verses, and especially in the fifth verse. And what happened was, As I was sitting down, I literally just felt the Holy Spirit just, like, come upon me. And it was something that I haven't experienced in a very long time. And as I was developing the message, I couldn't continue. I just started to, I was by myself, thank God. My wife probably would have thought I was crazy. And I just started walking around my, I don't know if that's called the living room table, dining room table, uh, whatever table it is. I think it's my dining room table. And it's my dining room table because that's where we eat at, so you dine. And as I was walking around, I was just crying out to God, filled with utterance of the words of the Holy Spirit, speaking to God, and I was just walking and crying out to God, and as I, and and I was just, I couldn't take the the presence of God, it was so powerful, just me, I mean, me and God were just falling in love, you know, we were having a date in my house, I don't know if you've ever had a date with God, but that's what what happened to me on Thursday afternoon, I had a date with God, and He rekindled my love, and and um, I love him. And as I was having my date with God and he was romancing me in his presence, I think that's the right word I could say, right? Um, I was like, Lord, I don't see me doing an exposite study on Acts 18. I just felt the Lord tell me, just share what I put in your heart, you know. And I believe that what I felt that day, my date with God, you're going to feel today. It's a word, a powerful word, and it's really just one word in what, 30, 28? Yeah, 28 verses, one word in 28 verses that I'm going to preach on. Just, I'm just going to preach on one word out of 28 verses. And we're going to get into it now, and as we get into Acts chapter 18 just a little quick summary remember where we came from we just left act 17 and in act 17 he ended up going to athens and in athens he saw all these temples and he saw all these false gods and then he came to the council and with all the philosophers in athens and he began to talk to them about this unknown god remember that guys about a month ago And he says, you come to your beautiful temples with these adorned images and these awesome sculptures, but you worship a God that you write down. It's an unknown God. And he begins to tell them, I'm going to tell you today who this unknown God is. And he begins to preach to them about our God and about Jesus Christ. And they start to mock him and some of them like kick him out of Athens. But some of the Athenians and some of the philosophers believed in Paul and began to follow Paul and said, Hey, we want to hear more of what you got to say. Come back, please. And Paul says, Well, it's time to go. And now we catch on on his next trip now. He's leaving Athens. And on Acts 18, he jumps into a place called Corinth. And in Corinth, he spends some time there. And then when he leaves Corinth, he takes a brief stop at Ephesus. And then he takes a brief, brief stop at Antioch. And something amazing takes place in Corinth. And that's what I want to share with you today. It's something that just happens to Paul himself. And I pray that it would happen to all of us here today. So in chapter 18, as you read chapter 18... You begin to see, and I'm not going to read all of 18 because I'm just going to read off one word. He goes to a place called Corinth and he finds some Jews, and it says in verse 2, one by the name of Aquila and who had come from Italy, and his wife's name was Priscilla. And they were in Corinth because this Claudius had commanded all the Jews during this time to leave Rome and to leave Italy because they were being persecuted. Just like the days of Hitler and the Holocaust, even today Jews are being persecuted. Even in the days of Paul, the Jews were being persecuted. And in verse 3 it says, So because he was of the same trade... He stayed with them and he worked by the occupation and that was a tent maker. They were tent makers just like Paul was a tent maker. They made tents and they were very good with leather and probably made um, leather stuff, leather clothes, leather furniture. And Paul was good with his hands as were Priscilla and Aquila. Verse 4. It says that as he was in Corinth, he began to reason. He began to teach in the synagogues, right, like Paul always did. And he began to persuade both the Jews and the Greeks. I like that. He taught and he persuaded. Why? Because when you speak God's word, God's word will change the hearts of man. Amen. Doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor, whether they're under a bridge or up on the hilltop on a mansion, the heart of man will melt through the word of God. Amen. And that's very important to understand because Paul is persuading them, not with his eloquent words, because we read later on, not while he was in Corinth, I didn't speak to you with eloquent words, but I spoke to you with what? Simple words so that the power of God may be what? Manifested. Man, praise God. <laughs> I love Paul, man. So as he's there, something happens in verse 5, which I want to preach to you today about. Silas and Timothy come from macedonia and they meet up with paul in verse five and then something amazing happens in verse five read it with me here it is paul was yeah when i read that right there the lord said i'm right here ego and i'm right in your face What are you going to do with my word right now? Paul is in Corinth. His team shows up. And as his team shows up, it says that Paul was compelled by the Spirit. And watch this. He testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Someone say amen. I got to see a little bit of Louis Giglio's passion. In Athens, he had 45,000 college students pack up the Georgia Dome where the Atlanta Falcons play football this week that just passed. He had amazing speakers, amazing artists. Um, Casting Crown led worship one day, Hillsong led worship one day. I mean, just amazing stuff. Awesome speakers Francis Chan, Piper, Louis Giglio, Christine Kane. But Lecrae, you know Lecrae? the minister of God who's also a rapper, he began to speak. <clears throat> and he says that he went to the Middle East on a tour with his group and he began to minister in the Middle East and as he was rapping in the middle of one of his songs, he begins to speak to these Middle Eastern people and he begins to talk about Jesus and as he begins to talk about Jesus, they were all listening, yeah, right, right on, right and he began to say, you know, Jesus, the teacher, Jesus, the prophet and all those Muslims were all, yeah, Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, the God, the Cray was that in the middle of his concert, all the Middle Easterns there, they just started booing him and his whole crew off stage. And right there, in the presence of all those people, I had a decision to make. I could either keep my fans and please them with my words, or I have to be faithful to what I was called to do. And I had to stand up and I had to proclaim that Jesus is God. And if they boo me off stage, then that's the price and that's the cost. And Lecrae stands on stage in front of thousands of people and says, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to please you guys so I can come back and and, and minister here. But you're missing it out. Jesus is God. And they start to boo him and he had to leave the Middle East. I truly feel that what happened to Lecrae was what happened to Paul right here in verse 5. And it's this. Paul is standing there in verse 5. And there's a bunch of Jews there and there's a bunch of non-believers and maybe some believers. And it says that as he was there with his team, the Holy Spirit comes upon his life and he was compelled by it. And he begins to testify. Why? Because the Spirit bears witness to the what? To the Lord. And as the Spirit compels him, he begins to testify Jesus. And that's the word I want to talk to you about today. It's that word compelled. And today's message is titled, I blank a prisoner of Christ. And you're going to understand why I put a blank there. And you could probably come up with ideas and stuff like that. But I'm going to get to it in a little while. But Paul in verse 5 here, it says that he is compelled by the Holy Spirit. The New King James Version, it says he was pressed. The ESV translation says he was occupied. I love this. One translation says he was compelled. The other one says he was pressed. The other one says he was occupied in the presence of God with the spirit of God. When you look that word up, it means he was held together. He was constrained. Check this out. To be arrested. (coughs) Paul was a prisoner. I like this. Because here's Paul. And as he's here amongst a group of individuals, it says that he was compelled by the Spirit. He was held as a prisoner. He was held hostage. He was in chains. He was constrained. He was arrested in the Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. He was arrested in the Spirit. And I look at verse 5. And what a testimony and what a life. Now when you come to Christ... And you think in your mind, well, when I come to Christ, that means that I'm free. I, I, when I was a, a, a young individual, very young, and I started to go to youth group, me and Tito used to go to the same youth group when we were young. Our, our worship leader would get on his guitar all by himself. He was, a, I mean, he was good, man. He was anointed. He was a one-man show. He was a beast. And and he would uh, he would sing up there and say, "I am free." free, free, free. I am free, 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 free. I am free to be the servant of the Lord. And and all us little kids in high school and middle school were, I am free, free, free. And we used to sing that song. I am free to be the servant of the Lord. And we used to like do some weird cry outs and all that. But today I'm going to burst your bubble kind of thing again. And yes, we are free, but if we think that when we come to Christ, we live this life of freedom, this free, free life of whatever we can and whatever we want, I'm here to tell you that you and I, if we think that way, we're wrong. Why? Because scripture serves us as a great example here with Paul. I'll show it to you. Paul, Paul who had been set free from his sins. Paul who had been set free from murder. Paul who had been set free from from being a persecutor. Paul who had been set free from false religion. Paul who had been set free from his pharisaical upbringing. Paul who had been set free from all his knowledge. Free from the position as an enemy of God. Now watch this. He receives freedom through Christ, right? Amen? But it's freedom. Watch what it did to him in verse 5. It says in verse 5. But Paul was compelled... Compelled by the Spirit. You see, Paul's freedom compelled him and arrested him. Because the freedom that you and I receive as Christians, it is a freedom that presses us. It is a freedom that arrests us. It is a freedom that occupies us. It's a freedom that holds us together and imprisons us with the presence and with the Spirit of God. We got too many ideals and too many doctrinal teachings because really theology without doctrine is retarded, man why i'm sorry i said a word that i should not have said retard is not a good word to say publicly it's dumb forgive me for that but 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 the truth is it doesn't make sense why because your theology causes you to have doctrine meaning that you begin to live out what you want what comes in and what you believe and it becomes real in your what lifestyle so watch this here's paul he's been set free theology in theology we could all say what Amen. That's what the Bible teaches us. But doctrinally, what happens with our freedom? Paul says when you receive true freedom in Christ, what it really does is it imprisons you to the spirit of God. This is powerful stuff. Because here is Paul free from all this wrongdoing. But he's compelled. It's a freedom that when we are set free... We can't go anywhere else but run back to the Lord and become a prisoner of Christ. That's the kind of freedom you and I have. So we could say that Christ set us free. And we could say that we are free indeed. But true freedom in Christ has caused us to be what? Chained up in Christ Jesus our Lord. So are we really free at the end of the day? Heck no. We've been free from sin, but now we're enslaved to godliness. We've been free from the hold of Satan and we're enchained to the love of Christ. We've been free from the yoke of bondage and we're now been set free and what? Now we're in bondage to the holiness of God. Why? Because true freedom, it comes with a cost. And if you've been set free, you've paid the cost. And that is now that you are a slave to Christ Jesus, your Lord. It's a transformation, like I just said, from a prisoner of darkness to a prisoner of light. It's a transformation from a prisoner of Satan to a prisoner of Christ. From a prisoner of sin to a prisoner of holiness. So today as I talk about this one word, I ask you, are you compelled by the Spirit? Are you pressed by the Spirit? Are you occupied in the Spirit? Are you constrained and held together? And are you arrested by the Spirit? Listen, are you a prisoner of the Holy Spirit? Are you a prisoner of Jesus Christ, a prisoner of God? And that's my message to you today. And this is why Paul, in scripture, in the word of God, he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And in the chapter of uh, 3 of verse 1 of Ephesus, he writes this to the, to the churches. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the what? Prisoner of Christ. Are you guys catching this? He revealed it to us in Acts. Why would Paul write to the church of Ephesus, I, Paul, because of this reason, I am a prisoner of Christ. Because in Acts chapter 18, the Holy Spirit what? Compelled him. What what does that mean? It arrested him. It means what? That I am no longer free. I am now bound to the ways of God. And Paul writes to the churches of Ephesus, and for this reason I write to you. For this reason I say this. For this reason I pastor you. For this reason I love you. For this reason I rebuke you. For this reason I correct. For this reason I preach. For this reason I live. Because I, Paul, am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And when you think that's enough, he goes on to uh, Philemon. And he's writing to the brother there. And in chapter 1, verse 1, he starts off his letter with the same phrase, I, Paul, a Prisoner of Christ Jesus. How can Paul say this? Because Paul was compelled. Paul was constrained by the Spirit. Paul was arrested and he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. This is why, and we're going to put the verse up. If you have your Bibles and you're writing notes, you should write this verse down. One of my favorite. This is why in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says this to the church of Galatia. And it says, I have been crucified with who? With Christ. And it is no longer I who live. If you have your note of your Bible open, can you circle or, or underline the I? Who no longer lives? I. I love that. I no longer live. You no longer live. What do you mean? If you're still living for your pleasures if you're still living for your sin, if you're still living for your excitement, then you don't live with Christ. Where are the amens? Because you know why? Because if Christ lived in you, you no longer live. So the old person that you, don't justify and say, well, Pastor Rico, we gotta be, don't give me that stuff. Let's go to the word of God. Let's do it, man. Let's be a church that goes to the word of God. Amen, folks? And, and, and right here in Galatians, Paul says, I twice here been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I again who live. I is done. He has won. I'm done. And, and, and then he goes on and says, This Christ lives in me. I don't no longer live, but Christ now lives in me, and I like this. And the life now, this life now, you mean you don't live now. Which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God. Who loved me and he gave himself for me. Paul here giving us awesome time. That it is no longer I but Christ. And this life that Paul now lives. He lives it He lives it in Jesus. And then it says here, right here, and I live it in Jesus because he has loved me. And he has given himself for me. See, understand what Paul is saying here. Here it is, ready? I have no rights. I have no claims. It is no longer I, but Christ. I am a prisoner. I am compelled. I am pressed. I am occupied in Christ, it's no longer I, Christ lives in me, the one who loved me gave himself for me, I have no purpose but to be a prisoner of Christ, what's my purpose God, God says get it chained up, what do you mean get chained up, in me, what's my purpose God, become a prisoner of Christ, you know why, as I was looking at this and I started to think about many of my friends And I started to think about many of you. And I started to think of my own life. And I started to realize, Lord, am I living selfishly in my Christian walk? Because sometimes I do it subconsciously without even noticing it. And then your word just smacks me. And I started to think about my life, people that I love, people that I pastor. And I started to think about these things. And I wrote down, you know why some of us haven't been set free yet. You want to know why some of us can't seem to break through why some of us continue to struggle with the same old sin? You want to know why some of us continue in the same old habits? Why some of us continue to be defeated? And we could come like I just said, and we could quote scriptures. Well, Regal, it's because we're flesh, and the flesh is weak, and we're human, and we're all sinners. And I truly believe this right here. Now, when are we going to stop justifying ourselves with the word of God? And finally, I come to an admi- admission with the grip of the pr- and grip the. and it's not because of all this stuff and that I'm a sinner and I'm weak and that we could actually stand before God today and say it's because we haven't been compelled by the Spirit. Because it's so easy. So easy to do this. To walk around with brothers and say, hey brother, you know why I continue to sin? Because the Bible says I'm a sinner and and I love the grace message, but, but I'm tired of the fake message you know what I'm saying and I'm saved by grace and I'm saved by grace but that's not what the word of God says the word of God does not stop there because true grace leads to holiness and righteousness true grace brings change true grace brings a transformation true grace doesn't say oh I'm saved by grace but I'm still going to go out and party tonight oh I'm saved by grace but I'm still going to go have fun tonight oh I'm saved by grace but I'm still going to take a hit a drink and I'm still going to do this and that And but I'm saved by grace and I go to church on Sunday and sometimes I fat and God says no because true grace compels you and you get what transformed into holiness and so many times we grab the word of God and instead of using it as a weapon to mature us we allow it to become a weapon to work what conform us so i'm gonna grab the word and i'm allowed to conform it to my life and god says no that's I where i where i cut the, the the goat from the lamb and say the ones on my left i never knew you depart from me but the lamb that are on my right that the word of god transformed and did not conform you welcome good and faithful servant for yours is the kingdom of god this is some, si- oh, but don't preach the word of God. I got to preach the word of God to you. I'm your pastor, and I'm not going to stand up here every Sunday and lead you astray. If I'm going to lead you anywhere, it's going to be the holiness and righteousness, and I want you to go to heaven. That's what I want. I want that for your life. I could come over here and make you feel good, but I'm not. I'm going to preach the word of God so that it will stir your heart and convict your heart, and if you're living in sin, when we do the altar call today, you better be right up here crying out to God. Listen, I'm not going to have an altar call and have one person here. There better be 15, 20, 30 or all of us up in this altar with boogers coming out of our nose and saying, God, transform me. No longer will I be conformed. I blank a prisoner of Christ. It's time, man. It's time. Happy New Year. This is the year. This is the year. This is the year, man. I'm going to preach on holiness. Our church might subtract, and that's fine. I mean, it's not I'm going to hurt. It's going to stink. I'm going to have to do some cutbacks. But we're going to preach on holiness this year. Righteousness. Spirit of God. We're going to preach about things that are going to challenge you this year. This church will challenge your walk. Come on our our vision meeting. We're going to do things that are going to challenge you. Challenge you. And I hope you want to come to a church that's going to start challenging you. And I'll start patting you. It's okay, brother. Everything's going to be all right. And we'll pray for you. I'm done with that. No, you're living in sin. And you need to come to the altar. And you need to sprinkle some oil on your life. And you need to come over here and let them elders lay hands on you. It's not all right. If you continue, you're going to go to hell. Get up and get on the altar. And come out of here transformed by the presence of God. That's the message that we're going to start preaching. How many of you can say amen? A church and a people that take this leather book and this is fake leather serious <laughs> serious a time when we are compelled by the spirit pressed by the spirit and if we haven't been occupied in the spirit and we haven't been constrained and arrested by the spirit I'm going to ask you again, are you a prisoner of the Holy Spirit? Are you a prisoner of Jesus Christ? Are you a prisoner of God? And if today you say, no, Pastor Rico, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Well, today I say what I said last week. Let's get with it. Let's put on the chains of Christ. Let's become a prisoner of Christ. And let's be compelled by the Spirit today. It is no longer I, but Christ. The one who loved me and the one who what? Come on, know the word of God. The one who loved me and the one who what? Gave himself for me. God gave himself for me. Who am I not to give myself to him? Church, God gave himself for you. And we are to give ourselves to him. It's no longer I, but Christ. First Peter chapter 2. If you're taking notes, verse 16. Bring your Bibles to church, guys. Here it is. Live. Does it say die? What does it say? Live. What does it say? Is it up there? It's going to get up there. First Peter 2.16. Live. Live as people who are free. I, I like this because... It's all right. First <laughs> Peter 2.16. Live as people who are free. But I just... I ta- I thought you told us that we weren't free. You're confusing me. I'm going to get somewhere. And, And I love what Peter writes here. Live as people who are free. But that's not what Pastor Rico said last Sunday. Look what Peter says. Live as people who are free. Not using the liberty that's been given to you. What translation is that? New King James? As a cloak for vice. I have no idea what translation I'm using here. I don't know. But here it is. Same thing that that means, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, as a garment for evil. Live as you're free, as people who are free, but do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, comma, but living as servants of God. I hope you just got the revelation. I hope you just got the revelation, because now, my goodness, live as you're free. Do not continue to clothe yourself, right? Do not continue to clothe yourself with the sin, but become what? Servants of God. Do not allow your freedom to cover up the evil, but become what? Servants of God. What do you mean, Peter? You live as a person who is free because in that freedom, you now become a servant of God. Meaning what? Christ's freedom over your life um, brought you to slavery in Christ. And that's what Peter is saying here. To live as people who are free, which, is, which means this. It is to live as servants of God. I love the real translation in the King James. That word servant, it means what? Slave. You are a slave of God. But I thought I was set free. Yeah, you were from sin, but now you're bound to holiness. So live as people who are free. How many of you can say amen to that, right? But then he says, but as you live as people who are free, stop using your freedom to cover up your evil and live as slaves of God. We are free so that we may become slaves of God, prisoners of God, to be arrested and to be compelled by God. Well, what in the world does this word compelled mean? To be overpowered. So, church, are you overpowered by God? And you could say yes because you just sang a nice little corito. But that has nothing to do with being compelled by God. You know how you're compelled by God? When sin makes you want to vomit. When thinking about cheating on your wife makes you sick. When thinking about going out and having a drink, but you know you're going to have 10 drinks and get buzzed or maybe even get drunk makes you so sick to your stomach you just want to cry out to God. That's when you're compelled to God. You want to know when you're overpowered by God? When you're so sick of living the same lukewarm lifestyle and you just want to be so hungry and so radical for God that you want to wear shirts that say Jesus and you want to say Jesus and you want to talk and touch people about Jesus and you want to live out what you really believe, that's when you're overpowered by God. It's not when you come to church once or twice a week, and it's not when you come and you sing one or two or three coritos, and it's not when you shed a tear once in a while. It is when the Holy Spirit compels you and overpowers you, and the way you think is transformed, and the way you live is transformed, and the way you begin to talk and act and walk and speak, and the way you begin to maneuver, everything is changed about you. And when people say, what is it? You say, it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. That's why Paul was able to say that. That's why Paul was able to say that because listen to me. If Paul really wanted to, listen, Christ saved him on the road to Damascus. He took the scales out of his eye. Paul could have made a U-turn and he could have gone back and he could have taught in the temples. He could have made a lot of money. He could have had many children. He could have been one of the best known philosophers in his time. And Paul said, no because it's no longer I. And Jesus told Paul on the road to Damascus, you will now suffer for my name's sake. Why? Because it was no longer I but Christ. Meaning what? He was so overpowered by God Paul did not no longer do what he wanted to do but the overpowering of the presence of God caused him even if it hurt to do what God wanted to do because holiness and suffering in holiness was so much better than living in luxury in lukewarmness to Paul and Paul says it's no longer I but Christ who lives in me and when Paul said it's no longer I I believe him But when we say it, I think twice about it. Amen? How many of you are ready to say I and write your own book and rewrite your own story and add your name with Paul's name and say, I, Tito, a prisoner of Christ. That's why the blank was left up there for you today. You know why I left a blank in the message title? Because today I want every single one of you, if this call is really for you, I want you to come up to the altar and spiritually I want you to write your name on the blank and say, I, Lisi, a prisoner of Christ. I, Rudy, a prisoner of Christ. And I left a blank just for you today. Just for you. So there's no excuse. And say, Pastor, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know when to go up and I didn't know how to pray. Well, here it is. Ready? Ready? Take out your pen, write your name down on the line, sign the contract, and start saying it. I, whatever your name is, is no longer I, but Christ. I am a prisoner of Christ. This is the new year. And with the new year comes a new me, and it comes a new you. How many of you can say amen? To be arrested and compelled, to be overpowered. I love verse 6. But when they opposed him they oppose it. Here he is. He's being compelled. But I got, God was, my God is greater, my God. And we sing these songs, you know. So if God is greater, why is he being opposed? Because that's what comes with it. When you put your name on that blank today, opposition is coming. You ready? Bickering is coming. I mean, I mean, people are going to make fun of you, but I thought you were a Christian, but I thought you did this. And, I, and people are going to mock you, and people are going to Bash you and people are gonna crucify you. And why? Because when you put your name on the line and you say it's no longer I, but Christ, and I blank a prisoner of Christ, you're saying this, ready? Say it and come and oppose me. I stand for Jesus now. And watch me overcome you. Watch this, I'll prove it to you. Verse 6. But when they opposed him and they what? Blasphemed him. My God is greater. Yeah, but they're still gonna blaspheme you, bride, children of God, they're gonna blaspheme you. Look what Paul did, he shook off his garments. And he said to them, your blood is upon your own heads, and I am clean. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. What? Imagine the Jews. Oh, we got them upset. He says, I'm done with you guys. Paul was, a lot of it was speaking out of anger, because if you keep reading chapter 18, he's kept ministering to the Jews, and some of the Jews came to the Lord. But he says something amazing here. He says, I'm done. Your blood is on your own hands. I want to turn to Ezekiel really quick, and I'm going to read seven verses to you, and now I'm really almost done here. First time I say it, so Ezekiel 33, the watchman and the message of the watchman. This is a powerful scripture. In chapter 33, the watchman has a powerful message, and, and here it is. Ready? Here's the prophet of the Lord, the watchman, and watch what he says. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, son of man, speak to the children. And say to them, that when I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman. Listen, look at verse 3. When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, verse 4, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his what? Oh, man. Paul was sounding the alarm to the Jews. He said, Jews, is Jesus. Come to Christ. And the Jews opposed him and blasphemed him. And he said, it's no longer. That's it. I'm done with you. Your blood is in your own hands. He was what? He was living the life of Ezekiel 33. He was a watchman. And he was proclaiming the hand of God and the sword of God is going to fall on you. Come to him before it falls. Why? Because if it falls after I've warned you, The blood is in your hand. What are you trying to say? Today, I speak a word to you to put your name on the blank. And if the sword falls and you did not put your name on the blank today, that's your own blood. I preach the gospel to you today. And this is what Paul is saying. And this is what Ezekiel the prophet is saying. And then in verse 5 it says, He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. His blood shall be on himself. But he who takes warning will save his life, meaning warning, come, and you come. The sword falls and it misses you because you listen to the instructions of God. But when we don't listen to the instructions of God, we are in the most dangerous place we could ever be. Because when the sword comes, God says, I've been preaching that to you for a long time. And you continue to hide and run away from the truth of my word. And then it goes on to say, verse 6, but if the watchman sees the sword coming, and he doesn't blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. The watchman is taken away, and his blood, wow, I will require it at the watchman's hand. What do I mean? God, do I really want to preach this message? You better, because their blood is on your hand. Okay, God, I'll preach it. That's exactly what this is saying. And Paul says, I'm going to preach a message to you guys in Corinth that you're not going to like, but your blood is in my hands. And when that sword comes and when judgment comes, I don't want to to be held accountable for your blood. I want to tell the Lord I'm clean. I told them the truth of the gospel. And this is exactly the word of the watchman right here. So, you son of man, I've made you a watchman. Church, he's made you a watchman. So, therefore, hear a word and warn the people for God. Verse seven. Hear the word and warn the people for God. What do I got to do then? It's no longer I. Become compelled, become a prisoner of Christ. Verses nine, 10. It's amazing what happens here. They're about to just destroy Paul. And he is so united to his God. And I'm going to end now. That the Lord says to him. Look at verse 9. Do not be afraid. But what? Speak. And do not keep silent. For I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people. Many people. In this city. God says, Paul, I'm not done. Paul, you keep speaking. Paul, you keep going. You keep suffering for my sake. I'm not going to let them touch you. It's not time yet. You keep going. Why? Because it's no longer about your rights. It's no longer about what you want. It's no longer about your freedom. Listen. It's no longer about where you want to go. Come on, listen. It's no longer about what you have planned. Listen, Paul. It's no longer about your safety. Guys, listen. It's no longer, Paul, what seems right to you. It's about what I say. So stay put. Keep speaking. And let them come to me because I have many more. What do you mean, God? Because you don't longer belong to yourself, Paul. You've been overpowered. You've been compelled and overtaken. And you've been pressed. And you are in prison. You are now a prisoner of Christ. So ready? Shh. Stay put and do what I tell you to do. This is what was going on with Paul's life. And when we, as prisoners of Christ, overpowered by the Lord, when we face struggle, when we face opposition, when we face darkness, the Bible teaches us that he fights our battles for us. We could all say amen, Amen. but don't say amen if you're not compelled by the Spirit of God. Because my God, is an expensive God. That blood on Calvary costs a lot. So don't think that you could serve God with no cost. He's an expensive God. And he wants the most expensive thing that you can offer. And it's not bring me your check next Sunday. It's bring me your life now. Open your heart now. And that's the most expensive thing that you can give to God. That's it. So this whole thing about, oh yeah, we're free and this is easy. No, it's not. There's a price. Open up your heart. Give him your life. Let him put on the chains. And be compelled. Be overpowered by the presence of Be overpowered in the spirit. Be overpowered in everything. Be overpowered in the word. That when you gotta make a decision, what does the word of God say about your decision? You wanna marry someone? Are you single people? What does the word of God say about that man that you're with? That woman that you're with? Or the one that you're pretending not to be with, but you know you're really with? What does God say? What does the Word of God say about your finances? What does the Word of God say about your relationships? What does the Word of God say about your worship? What does the Word of God say about your living? How about if this Word of God compels us to the place that we don't take a step without filtering everything, filtering everything through the Word of God? Can you imagine what we might become? I'm gonna ask the worship team as we get ready to close off. It's time to have no rights. It's time to have no claim. <clears throat> Let's sing that same song, man. <clears throat> it is time to say it's no longer I but Christ. To be a prisoner, to be compelled, to be pressed, and to be occupied in Christ. This is what happens in the rest of the chapter because next week we might just jump into chapter 19. Really what happens is he goes to Ephesus, Paul. And in Ephesus, as he returns there, they want him to stay. He doesn't stay. He lands there. He greets the brothers there. He spends some time, but then he leaves and he takes off from Ephesus. And then a certain man rises up by the name of Apollos, and Apollos begins to preach the gospel. And in verse 26, it says that he begins to speak boldly in the synagogue. But Paul's friends, Priscilla and Aquila, they hear about this man, Apollos, and they go check him out. And they saw what he was saying was accurate in the word of God, accurate in the things of God. But all he knew was the baptism of John. And he didn't know about the baptism of Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what does Aquila and Priscilla do? They go and they teach this man, Apollos about this new baptism, and about these new teachings that he never knew. So then they send Apollos out, and he leaves that region. And he moves on, and he takes off from there. And as he takes off, Apollos' ministry continues. It says he greatly helped those who believed through grace, and vigorously continued to come against the Jews publicly. Showing from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. What a life Apollos had. But all that was birthed through the arrest of Paul. Through the obedience of Paul's lifestyle. So much that Apollos became so big, so bold, so infamous in the faith that people started to fight. I'm from Apollos and I'm from Paul. And Paul says, listen, you're not from me or from Apollos. You're from Jesus Christ. Stop fighting about who you're from. It's awesome. But today... I'm going to ask you right now, this is church, if God is speaking to you today, and it's time to put your hands up, because when you're at war, like we are today, and you do this before the enemy, you're telling the enemy, I surrender. When you do this before God, you're saying, Lord, I surrender. I give up my rights. I give up my claims. Lord, I raise up my hands. I lift up my life and my heart unto you because it's no longer I but Christ who lives in me. Lord, I surrender because today I fill in the blank. I become a prisoner of Christ. Compel me, press me, and occupy me, Lord God. So church, today as you examine your life, are you ready to be a prisoner? I'm going to ask everyone to stand in obedience and in reverence to God. Reverence to God. Right there where you're at, begin to meditate. Right there where you're at. Begin to cry out to God. Come on. This is you and God, guys. You and God.